Hello, welcome back to Football by the Numbers. I am joined by two strangers at this point. Let's go to my friends who are strangers to this podcast, Andrew and Will. Andrew, we're skipping you. Will, how are you doing? Doing pretty well, John. How was uh, your trip? It was eventful. It was, I mean, it was awesome just to experience a new beautiful country. A little eventful with uh, some airline mishaps, but you roll with the punches. Well, Andrew and I had a bet. Did you or did you not visit the Venezia Stadium? We did not. I, oh, man. I had wanted to, but I couldn't convince Anna to take time out of the trip. Andrew and I both lost the bet because we both thought you would. So anyway, to you, Andrew, how are you doing? How is the professional soccer player of this podcast doing? Bill, why did you not go see the stadium? I just I just don't know. I don't know what happened there. It's like a, a trek to get to it. You got it's like across the lagoon, so it's You were across the pond already. You couldn't have been much closer. I mean you could have probably been closer, but my god, that is not an excuse. Anyways, we will move on, John. I can't wait to talk about some US soccer. Will we love to have you back. John, where are we going? What are we doing? What is this? It's a mess. Let's lead us. Well, this is football by the numbers, and we are going to talk about the U.S. men's national team. So if you guys watched or listened to our last episode, which if you haven't, go check it out. I reacted to our World Cup qualifying predictions, and oh man, were we a little far off on those. Today, we are all three going to react to the utter shit show that was the World Cup qualifiers Three easy games that should have resulted in three three-point accumulations for a nine-point total would have us sitting at the top of the group. And instead, we've only got five points, and we've moved down three places in the FIFA rankings. We now sit 13th, one place ahead of Germany, which we all know my thoughts on that. So, Will, you've been away for so long. You've been very active in our group chat, though. Let's hear some of your thoughts before we dive into some of these topics. What did you think of Greg Berhalter's performance? If I were to grade Greg, I'd give him a, a D after that. Barely if, sneaking. If even a D. I mean, God damn. It would have it been an F up until that last half where the team seemed to get it together. It wasn't a Greg thing. Players kind of took it upon themselves. You mean players being in the right situation in the right spot? Like I was going to say, I'm completely putting this on Greg. Shifting Tyler Adams away from right back and putting an actual right back in Yedlin there and shifting Mark McKenzie in for John Brooks, who... I, I hate to say it again, but Andrew, you're right. The dude cannot defend. John Brooks cannot defend. What the hell's going on with that? Just her? horrible. Awful. So putting putting Mark McKenzie there at left center back, and put, I don't know why you play a center back at left back when you can't progress the ball up the field. Anthony Robinson obviously should have been starting there from the beginning, and bringing him in for George Bellow, who did nothing in that Honduras game, putting him – at left back, taking John Brooks out and putting Tyler Adams at center defensive mid totally changed the game 100%. Andrew, your thoughts? Sands in the middle? I mean, I, I just I don't know what he was doing. I literally have no idea what in his mind thought, hey, let's put this lineup out there. Yeah, I know let's, we talked this, about This will make me look good and smart. 
I know we talked about experimenting, but this was like ridiculous. Tyler Adams at right back. I know he played at like right wing back under Nogglesman, but he's not Nogglesman for RB Leipzig. And then James Sands at defensive midfielder looked completely lost that last game. If we're looking at these games in total, like what was this conversion rate? I mean, over the first two games, we averaged a total of 12 shots per game. Meanwhile, we averaged two shots on target for those first two games. Like, what are we doing here, boys? I I think there's a playbook out that if you let the U.S. just possess the ball, they're not going to do anything with it. They're not very dangerous, don't have guys that will create and make the right runs. They have a couple guys maybe that can and Pulisic and Reyna. But yeah, I think teams are just comfortable sitting back and countering on this team absorbing pressure i'm gonna say something that you may not like but we are seeing a team without musa and what happens uh, uh, he uh, is uh, a diamond in the rough well i'm we telling all know, you we, we all know musa. my opinions on Yunus musa i don't i he has he still hasn't convinced me and i don't think it but i want to say to both of you guys i've conceded and capitulated to Andrew a couple of times here over these past couple of videos. I am exactly right on Josh Sargent. The dude couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. Like, I am convinced on that. The dude needs to get his scoring form better, which, in my mind, he would have done better at Werder Bremen in the second Bundesliga. He would have gotten some form back. Now he's sitting in a Norwich team who hasn't scored a single goal all season, who might not score for the next couple of games. No creativity in that game. Has he even gotten that many minutes on the team? And I've been been hyping the Pepe train for a year and a half now. And look what the dude does on his debut. Told you so. What are your guys' thoughts on Sargent? Who are the three strikers? Assuming we bring three strikers, who are the three strikers we bring to the World Cup? I still think it's Pepe, Sargent, and Pifok. I think Pifok's probably, in my mind, is ahead of Sargent. I don't know, with Greg. He's hard to read. Yeah, Pepe just brings, he just has that finishing mentality and brings an energy that Sargent doesn't. Sargent is a solid all-around player, but he just doesn't have the killer instinct mentality. He's lost. He's lost as a as a striker. Andrew. If you were telling me Sargent played his whole career as a holding midfielder, I'd be like, man, that guy's got some quality. Because, I mean, he wins more head balls defensively than he does anything. Thing offensively and I mean I tried I will admit I held on to hope just for my St. Louis boy but the, the ship has sailed I mean the ship is broken it's over there in that corner there's nothing we can do about it he's gonna have to repair it right now I think DK Pepe are your go-to forwards period Sibachu yeah. possibly Pifog yeah yeah, I was going to say, do you want to comment on Will's exclusion of DK in his three-striker list? I heard Sergeant oh, Pepe You know I'll bring it out. Pifok. I I was blanking just because he's been hurt and hasn't been playing. Oh, well. my God. You I, do not forget about DK. Yeah, I think he'd go be back very and good watch, Go back and watch our last video. I did the DK chant a couple of times and even referenced our group chat debate on Werner versus DK and how wrong I was there at the beginning of last season. That was- but those are our forwards. That's who we have to go for. And without having one of them in the lineup, that means Pepe has to start. He has to. Yeah. Like if they go into October 7th is their next game and Pepe is not on the starting 11, time for him to go. Get Bullhalter out of the reins. 
Yeah, 100%. Now, I did want to ask you, Andrew, you've been hyping this player for a while, and it took me until this Honduras game to really see it. I want to ask you who your pick for left back is and what you thought of his performance. Anthony Robinson is your starting left back. 100%. What he did in the Gold Cup. I mean, I'm pretty sure he played every game in the Nations League and the Gold Cup. Then he comes out here and he's probably the outlying savior of the game if Pepe does not play. 100%. I mean, he comes in four and a half minutes being on the field and he scores the equalizer. And it wasn't a simple ball. I mean, it was a cross bouncer. He volleyed it out of the air and put it in like he knew it was his job. And he's your starting left back. I mean, yes, he did have some difficulties of holding onto the ball. We talk about in our group chat all the time. He's got to be cleaner. He's got to make sure he keeps possession of that ball. But to me, that's his biggest upside is that he is a player that's not scared to take the risks. He will risk everything and it pays off in dividends. The U.S. has seen it out of the three goals he's scored, which two of them have been, to me, game-winning goals. I talked about that a lot in our last video, what I thought about Anthony Robinson and how I thought his aggression going forward was really a game changer against these teams. But he's really got to step it up because in my mind, he gives the ball away way too much and it'll really open us up on the counter going but forward. But to his benefit, those turnovers are in the offensive side mostly. That's now he does have some questionable in the defensive but in the last game he played, I, I know 90% of his turnovers were in the attacking third when he was pushing, yeah, which is the only defense the you can play. Part, that's, that's exactly my point, is you don't want to lose the ball there as a fullback because then they can just play a long ball to our two center backs sitting back there and maybe one holding midfielder that's sitting back. And they can the better teams like Germany, France, Spain, all those teams who are more adept. Like Spain averaged like a 90% pass accuracy or 95% pass accuracy throughout the Euros. If we play a Spain in the World Cup, they're going to cut us open from bow to stern if they get on the counterattack off an Anthony Robinson loss in the defensive area. I want to hear your final thoughts, and then I want to hear about what uh, what Will thinks. About Personally, it. I think that's the best spot to lose the back, the ball from your center backs and your, your left back. I think you have to lose the ball in the offensive third. One, yeah. you have your entire midfield line behind you. You have your two center backs. You have your your weak side defenders. Nobody Nobody's beating our two center backs in the World Cup from Aaron Long and whoever, who I would put in Critchards. there. Critchards. I, I think there's there's no chance that we ha- that that's something we have to worry about in the attacking third, especially with a Weston McKinney that's a freaking engine in the middle, a Tyler Adams in the middle. I mean, we've got so much speed to cover him. I just I don't think that that's a big flaw to me. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Weston McKinney actually because he's a big thing I wanted to talk about. Will he was sent home after going out the night before a game in Nashville and celebrating with his friends? Do you think that punishment was a little harsh? Do you think he let his teammates down? Does it affect his role as a nailed on on the plane player for the 2022 World Cup? For me, he's still a locked in starter at this point, and I think Greg has said he will be back the next window. I think it was a major risk. You sat him. The one game, didn't play at all. Afterwards, decided to send him home. I think maybe the one game would have been enough. Up to Greg there, you know, I understand it, but it was a big risk if they had come away with zero points that last match. I think I, I respect his decision, but I think it's embarrassing the way he handled it. He should have sent him home the first day if he was going to suspend him two games. The fact that you leave your team hope 
of that Weston McKinnon is going to be back the next game and then just come in and surprise him and drop the floor. To me, that is you allowing some other pressure or outside source call you call the shots. To me, Bolt Halter needed to be like, nope, you're done. Or here's your one game. We'll see you in the next game. Because what he put out there was awful. And if he didn't win, then there would have been the, the discipline would have been nothing because a new coach comes in and discipline's different. I would like to see like a higher echelon coach. I just don't know who's out there that the U.S. men's national team is willing to afford. I mean, and Antonio Conte's out there, but we're not we're not paying for a Conte to come in and completely re- revolutionize our team. That that brings me to my next question for both of you. I want to kind of do a tier list here of some players for these for the World Cup in total, and I'll I'll throw out a couple of names. I want to hear you guys order them, and there doesn't have to be like a, a necessarily an amount. But my categories that I have are nailed on, definitely like starting 11, they're going to play. Questionable start, so they might make the bench, but they might not start every game. On the plane, so they're, they should be on the plane to go to Qatar in 2022. Just missed or injury substitute, so if a player gets injured, then they can maybe be brought in, but aren't necessarily a first choice to be on the plane. And then the last one is no chance, shouldn't be on there. So I'm going to shout out a couple of names here. We'll go through a couple easy ones. Adams, Pulisic, McKinney. They're locked in starters. Starters. Nailed on. Daryl DK. I think he's he's locked in as long as he's healthy. So nailed on starter for you? Yeah. He's in the mix. He's on the roster for me. He's in the mix. He's questionable. He's a questionable starter. Who would you have over him potentially? You know, they don't. You don't have to put him as nailed on starter necessarily. But who's he competing with right now? Pepe, obviously, and P. Folk seems to be in good form. I mean, I think you kind of play the matchups if you're playing two. Yeah, P. Folk did have an excellent goal and with the last kick of the game against United, so that kind of changed my opinion of him. And I said he should be on the plane for sure. Brendan Aronson. I guess it's like DK. He's definitely questionable starter he's in the squad i feel really good about him at coming off the bench and you know if one of the starters were to go down i would feel pretty good about him as a starter as well brennan aronson i i think he's 100 percent on the plane i think he could fight for some minutes i don't think he's gonna be in the starting lineup unless there's a serious injury the problem with aronson is he's he's got christian and uh reina to battle with so you don't well, you would put him on one of the wings. You wouldn't put him in the midfield. I think our midfield is pretty much locked down. So that's where I think he'll get his extra. I think I think he's gonna bounce between center mid and winger. I don't I don't see him kind of taking a starting spot. But you, you'll find out why I, why I say that. Kellen Acosta. I feel good about Acosta. He's 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 on my squad as a backup. You know he can play the eight backup eight or the six you know i think he had a pretty good world cup qualifying like made a lot of the smart plays a lot of good runs but he, he's on my bench i don't want much more out of him i just he can sit there on the bench and smile he's also versatile as a backup right back throwing that is that is true that is very true he's very versatile which is like a, a swiss army knife you know we'll put him in there for 10 or 15 minutes Yunus musa i think he i think he's battling with tyler adams in the midfield spot possibly or He's battling with Weya and trying to get minutes. I'm I'm curious your your midfield rankings right now. Who's who are your top mid? Yeah, let's. Who's your starting three in the midfield if we go with the four three three? I'm interested to hear that too. Can I guess? Is it McKinney Adams or is it Adams on the right, McKinney in the middle, and Legette on the left? Yes, sir. Yep. You are a smart man, and my problem is is 
I just love the way Leggett is playing right now. He's He surprises me being an MLS player, being able to keep up and mesh with the other two midfielders and the other international talents. You want to know why I love him so much? Is because he is one of the only players on the pitch at the time that does not have to have the ball on his foot to make an impact. His positioning, some of the runs he makes just opens up space for Christian and Reyna and DK to get on the ball. The people that we have to have on the ball, Leggett is willing to do the work that they don't want to do. He chases down the balls. He gets into the dirty areas. Like it allows McKenna to eat McKinney to even go express himself. If Leggett's not on the field, then Weston's always having to do the dirty work because we know he will. That's just what I see right now. I think there's a lot of iffy for me in the middle right now, especially after these past three games. Will, what do you think? Leggett was on my list. So what uh, what do you think of Leggett? Is he nailed on for you? No, he's not a nailed on starter for me. I think he's a good glue guy, and I think Greg really likes him. He's very, very vanilla. You, you know what you're going to get from him. He does seem to find the back of the net in the friendly matches. On the bench, occasional starter. I mean, McKinney and Adams are locked in the midfield for me, and the third is kind of up for grabs. Haven't seen enough of Musa yet with the squad. So Leggett's probably leading him right now. I'm in, I'm surprised you both say that. Aronson's my third starter. I thought I loved what I saw from him on the pitch. I don't know. I mean, he plays he plays pretty close to full 90s for Salzburg. He soared, scored in a couple of their Champions League games. He looks like a good creative force. He's aggressive on when he's on the field. At least he was for Honduras. He's my He's my third midfield choice. I think Tyler Adams is a good box-to-box guy, but doesn't bring enough going forward. He does have a lot of creativity to him. And then Weston McKinney, I've always saw as like a like a six, but he does have some... I mean, it's really like we're having two eights between Adams and McKinney. I don't see them either as tens or creators, where Aronson can really kind of fill in when we need a creative force and really crack a shot off. If Aronson's on the field, he's got to be the 10, and then you'll have two eights. You can't have a six with Aronson on the field. Moving on, John Brooks. Fucking not even, I'm sorry, not even on the plane. (laughs) Not even on the plane. Dust him off. I don't want him. Fair enough. Will, what do you think? He had a really poor showing in the World Cup qualifiers, but he had a good above average summer with the squad and the gold cup and nations league he hasn't lost his starting spot yet for me i need to see more poor play out of him he's still a starter but he's he's not locked in like he used to be yeah i i gotta say he's he's not off the plane and would you would you say he's a just missed injury sub based on our our defensive depth or would you have him on the plane for sure, just riding the bench most of the time? Because I know we've talked in our group chat about players like Walker Zimmerman, Mark McKenzie, James Sands we liked at center back during the summer. I think we're all hoping that Chris Richards and um, Aaron Long are back together. You guys you guys aren't even mentioning Miles Robinson, who had a killer summer, great, played every minute of the World Cup qualifiers. What is he not showing you? He was the one that I was missing. I was looking at my list trying to think of who I was missing, and Miles Robinson is another one that I – For me, the four or five center backs that you bring are Chris Richards, Miles Robinson, Walker Zimmerman, Mark McKenzie, and Aaron Long. 
Brooks, no, Brooks is a good. I mean, if somebody gets injured, you know, or maybe you can sub out Zimmerman for Brooks. But yeah, I think Mark McKenzie played better at left center back in that last game, especially than John Brooks did. Aaron Long. I mean, if Aaron Long comes back and has half the season, maybe not half, maybe a little more than half. If he has 75% of the season that he was having before he went down with that ACL injury, he's going to be the best defender that the U.S. men's national team has, bar none. He was averaging six tackles and interceptions plus a ton of pressures, like three or four aerial duels, one per game. The dude was lights out on fire. And he's, who does he, does he play for the Red Bulls? Mm-hmm. Yes. He's the reason that is, that not That's what we're that missing. Well. That's what we're missing. We're missing that leader. Aaron Long was the leader and you can see it in our back. We just yes. have not had any consistency of, of pairings. I'm kind of disappointed that we haven't had such a consistent lineup. It's kind of embarrassing to think yeah. the fact that we, I haven't, I don't even remember the last time I saw Weya play. Wea, well, Wea was injured, and yeah, he is kind of made of crackers and biscuits. But I just want to take a timeout real quick here and do our obligatory. You know who else plays for the Red Bulls? At least for now, <laughs> is Caden Clark. I mean, Caden Clark. I Caden Clark. I made him. I, I think put he's him on the plane. Last episode. I think he's here in the he plane. Is, here he is. He could. He could be on the plane. I would. I would like to see that. Gonna move into a couple of harder questions here. What about Dilf De La Fuente? <laughs> For me, I think it's injured. Injured sub potentially on the plane. I think it's gonna take some shuffling to get him into the lineup. I'm not. I'm not saying it's because of his play. I just with him and and players like Clark, the lack of caps is what's gonna kind of play into. There's too many guys right around the zero to ten caps that are potentially able to go. Yeah, I need to see more from him. Uh, we didn't get to see enough of him during World Cup qualifiers. He's looks like he's tearing it up right now with Marseille. Yeah, I for me, he's on the plane for sure. And the only reason he's not starting is because Christian's right there. But if we move Christian to the right, I would love to see no other than Dilf right there next to Anthony Robinson. I said in our last episode, the chemistry that Dest and Pulisic have would be great on the right. You put in De La Fuente on the left with Anthony Robinson. I think you have a really aggressive and deadly four. Where are you putting Reyna? Reyna, I'd put it to 10, or I'd put it at false nine if we have injuries there. Reyna, I think, does better at the 10 personally. He's a little slow to be playing out on the right, but he does have that creative capability. So you could put him on the right as well, or if you need a break and want to try something new, Put in the DILF. Ethan Horvath. I want to know where he fits into your guys' lineup. I think he's comfortably number three right now. Uh, Number three? Yeah, I think he's he's still behind, yeah, Stefan. We don't don't know how many minutes Stefan would have gotten World Cup qualifiers. McKenzie revealed on his podcast that he had COVID. Yeah, I mean, he's splitting time at Nottingham Forest, only playing, like, cup matches. Recent one uh, wasn't great for him. He had a turnover that led to an easy tap in goal i think it's hard to not have stefan as the 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 number one is matt turner the number two then i think matt turner's the number two and this is the only reason why because just to go back to the beginning of the episode where you talk about spain and and their capabilities of being able to move the ball we're going to need an outlet and and that outlet's going to be our goalkeeper a lot of the time especially with our wingbacks being as offensive as they are. And I think Stefan's got the best distribution out of all of the keepers. Light years. I mean, above all of them. If they all just had to play with their feet, Stefan's the one that can play. Well, that's the one. That's the thing you can work on in training. And we talked 
a couple episodes ago about training versus sharpness and the distribution is something that you can consistently work on in training. Will, I think you said that Stefan is more the sweeper of all of them. And I think if you have a fullbacks who press as high up as our fullbacks do, you got to have a decent shot stopper, which Stefan is, but you got to have some sort of sweeping capability, which he does have over Turner. I think Turner's probably a better shot stopper, but he's not going to sweep. He's just going to be like a David De Gea sitting in goal. I have to throw this guy in here just because I want to hear Andrew. Tim Ream. <laughs> what are you trying to do to me here? So, Moving what on. Is, Moving yeah, on. enough said. It's over. James Sands. I want him on the plane, but only if he's going to be a right back's a right I'm sorry, back? A, a, right, a center back, a right center back. Uh, he's not on the plane after the World Cup qualifier performance, but, I mean, during the summer, he looked like he was capable of playing. Not on the plane, probably, for me right now. And you still have Brooks in the starting lineup? <laughs> the man's been consistently giving us shit after shit. I mean, I'm going to say the bad word. He belongs in the toilet. Hey, fair enough. All right, real quick, I got two players left that I want to talk about. Number one, DeAndre Yedlin. I feel comfortable with him as a backup, yeah, because he's got so much experience. Obviously, he had the lost track of Davies, but, I mean, that's going to happen with a lot of guys. He did lose track of Davies, but he did also create that. He had that perfect cross against Honduras that landed right on Pepe's head that it was impossible for Pepe not to score. I think that's why Pepe, even with a goal and two assists, only got that 8.1 match rating. I, I agree with you. I think I'm comfortable with him. And of course, Chris Richards. Where does he land? Nailed on, baby. There are only one answer. He is a nailed on starter. Of course, the Bayern boy. There's no other answer that I will accept. Of course, he's a nailed on guy. He's incredible. Just signed an extension with Bayern. Playing on loan at Hoffenheim. Got a loan last year and this year. Got an assist too. You know, only half a season. When is when is he coming to Bayern? Then when is he gonna get that? When is he gonna get that opportunity? He's going to get that opportunity after he's more developed at Hoffenheim. We do have some good center back depth, but I'm not ready to let him go. I think once we get nag ball in full effect, he will be coming into like those three and five center back formations or could come back as a more versatile right back because we all know that Bayern needs a right back. I want to pop in real quick. Next window, we've got Jamaica, Panama, Costa Rica, home away, home. How are you feeling? How comfortable? How many points are you predicting? I want every point. I want every point. You're expecting nine again? I'm expecting every point, and because it's time for us to make a statement. I I expect every point. I think the U.S. men's national team fans need to kick Greg Berhalter in the ass and say, hey, quit messing around with this crap. Let's get some points behind us because in November we play Mexico, and Mexico's currently atop the group. Jamaica is a very hard opponent, too. Mikhail Antonio, who's the top goal-scoring striker in the Premier League right now for West Ham, just declared for Jamaica, and he's going to be on that team. Leon Bailey, who plays at Aston Villa. Yeah, Leon Bailey plays for Aston Villa now, and he's on that team. Those are going to be some difficult games. Keeler Navas, of course, is at Costa Rica as well. That's going to be a low-scoring affair, so we need to get our stuff together. We need to put some shots on target, and we need to convert more of these shots because if you looked at the first two games, we averaged about 12 shots across all three games. The first two games, we averaged... Two shots on target per game. The last one we had eight shots on target. So we need to get some more shots on target. Boys, thank you for finally making time for me and filming this podcast episode. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Football by the numbers. 
Are you kidding? Finally. Go ahead. Watch the rest of our episodes. You better go back and see every single one of them. Tell me in the comments which ones I was not in and which ones Will was not in because I guarantee you John Ems was in all of them. I was. I am the glue and the backbone of this podcast, but you guys are the sexy fluff that surrounds me, of course. <laughs> I'll take Will. What uh, what would you like to plug, sir? Coming up, we're talking about MLS guys that need to move to Europe. So Stay tuned for that one. That's going to be a fun episode to do. Thank you, boys. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening, guys. I'm going to plug one more thing. Go watch Venezia. Go watch some of those guys, those Americans tear it up. We got Busio, we got Tessman, and Will. Who's the third one? I don't remember. Uh, Jack DeVries. Jack DeVries, thank you. Andrew and I were talking about it, and we said you knew you would know the third one and probably have all their kits already by now. But thank you guys for watching. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned. We got that awesome outro playing for you again. But thank you guys for watching and listening. We are football by the numbers. By the numbers.